All right, y'all, welcome to the Mad Rhythms Podcast Network. This is the Either And Podcast, and I'm your host, Brill Barrett. When there's contention or controversy, most people believe the solution has to be either or. I believe the solution lies somewhere in either and. All right, you all, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Either And Podcast. I'm your host, Brill Barrett. We're going to have us some conversation. So I've gotten through a few episodes now and I've done most of them with me just talking to you all and I've enjoyed that. I even did an episode where uh, Vanessa, my producer, was playing some clips from different uh, folks in the field, the podcast field, different men, so to speak. And, and, And I gave like live feedback. So I thought that was pretty cool. And now we've done an interview podcast and I want to do more of those. I I actually love interviewing folks and talking to them. I like talking to folks who like talking as much as I do. So with that being said, let's jump into this podcast. And uh, let's see, there's a lot of stuff. (laughs) There's never a shortage of current events. There's a lot of stuff in the news these days. And I was just telling somebody whenever people ask me what my podcast is about, because they always assume that because I'm a tap dancer, that it's a tap dance podcast. So now I have to start telling people I am a tap dancer with a podcast, but this is not a tap dance podcast. So just be aware of that. We're going to talk about a lot of things and a lot of them connect directly to the tap dance and the tap dance world in my life and my involvement in tap dance. And then a lot of things are just my observations as a human being, my observations as a man, my observations as a black man, my observations as a tap dancer it, it goes down all those different rabbit holes yeah so i don't know let's let's start off talking about and i have to make sure i pronounce the name right because i know folks got jokes but jesse smollett y'all know it's, it's it, this is a international story but it's been based here in chicago uh and if you don't know jesse smollett recently got con- or or it was his the verdict came back that he was guilty I don't know exactly what the charges are, but basically the hoax of saying he was attacked and he got a hundred, he got sentenced to 150 days in jail. And so I immediately was like, wow, here's the either end of this situation. Y'all know everything I look at, I'm looking at because I was hearing a lot of people say he's guilty and he got what he deserved. And then I heard a lot of other people say, well, the criminal justice system in, in Chicago specifically is very broken. It's been broken for a long time. You got you got John Burgess, which was the cop who they found out had had basically uh, railroaded a bunch of black men into convictions or admitting that, you know, that they did something and then getting them convicted and come to find out more than most of them were innocent. That was a Chicago thing. You've got the situation with the dailies and who ran Chicago for a long time. And people know, you know, this this was a daily town for a long time with Richard M. Daly and then Richard J. Daly and how they ran the city and basically the control of the city. There's a lot that needs to be looked at in terms of Chicago's political. I'm sorry, not political. Well, political, too, but that's another podcast. But the criminal justice system. And so people are are on either side of that coin. But once again, here comes Brill with the either and of it all. 
and my thing, this is so this is my take on it. Yes, both of those things can exist in the same space. When Jesse Smollett said that he was attacked in Chicago by the MAGA men and 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 yelling the, and like all of that stuff, I think most people in Chicago, if we didn't know, we figured we thought this is not real. Because if you live in this city, you know how people move and operate. And that, that sounded like some down south, but not even down south. That sounded like some movie stuff. That sounded like the way an attack would happen in a movie. <laughs> and I guess it's no it's it's no it's no connection that Jesse Smollett is an actor and it was here filming a TV show, right? So maybe his idea of how that attack would go down was very movie based. I'll say that. Um, but so a lot of people thought it, he was lying. And the more stuff came out, the more a lot of people figured that he was lying. Um, and so when when Kim Fox, who is our state's attorney here in Illinois, but uh, when it first came out as a trial and, well, the charges were filed. And from what I know and what I've done research into as in talking to as in as Charlemagne the guy says I googled it um state's attorneys have the ability to do what's called prosecutorial discretion so they can and that's across the country right which is why some people get different charges for the same kinds of crime depending on whose jurisdiction they're in depending on whoever's prosecuting them, that state's attorney, what they've decided to do. So she decided that it wasn't worth the city's time and resources. The city had already investigated. And she decided that it had probably cost too much as it was and that it wasn't worth the city's time and more money to go through a trial and all of that stuff. So I believe there was a plea bargain he got probation, a hefty fine, basically to pay back the city for the money that was spent. He, it was bail forfeiture. That's what it was. He had to forfeit the bail. And so the matter had been handled. And then a special prosecutor was brought in to this, you know, to, to deal with the situation and to examine it and, and to decide what to do. And that special prosecutor then decided we're going to retry and, and I don't know about you all, but I thought double jeopardy was a thing. And so I'm not sure how they were even able to retry him for something that was settled. So maybe maybe uh, legal scholars and, and lawyers and judges who might come across this podcast can tell me how he was even like how that was legal, how he was able to be retried when the situation had already been settled, the situation was dealt with. But anyway, so long story short, he goes, they bring him back in, you know, they try the case again, he's found guilty. And then he's given 150 days behind bars. It's, I forgot how many days the actual probation was and how, and then 150 of that was to be spent behind bars. And I thought that was crazy. Not because I thought he was innocent, but because I thought, the punishment did not fit the crime. And that's what this is all supposed to be about. So to either end is I, I believe that, well, let's say I, I just didn't think he was innocent, but I also didn't feel like he deserved 150 days behind bars. Like there's people who stormed the Capitol 
who got less time than that. There's uh I was just listening to um a podcast uh Dr. Richie, I can't think of his first name right now, was was showing uh this cop who just who killed a man and got a year's probation. So 150 days behind bars for a hoax, I mean, a hoax that costs time and resources. I can understand that you want to recoup that situation. But, like, what really happened? Like, who did it hurt in terms of nobody was hurt by it? So I just felt like like the either and is he, he was guilty or I didn't believe that he was innocent of the charges. But I also know that Chicago's criminal justice system has a lot of work that needs to be done. And it's no secret that one of the things that Kim Fox has been doing is trying to put less people behind bars for less serious crimes. And that should be a good thing because jail isn't always the answer, especially if it's not a serious crime. Now, I I like to live my life trying to remain crime free. And so that's not my world at all. But also, I know how easy it can be to end up roped into something. Every day now in the media, I'm reading about especially black men getting out of prison because they're finding out that there was not enough proof. The burden of proof was not met or the the witness lied or somebody was coerced. So there's a lot of issues that I'm seeing on a daily basis that involve black men getting out of prison when the system failed them. And so here we are with a state's attorney who is saying, I'm going to be a prosecutor and deal with crime and and do all the stuff that a state's attorney is supposed to do. But at the same time, I'm going to attempt to stop locking folks up for things that aren't as serious, that they don't have to be locked up for. And she's catching hell on hot water for it. I mean, like the, the, the police, uh, the union and all of that, they're totally against what this sister is trying to do in this city by by being fair. And I think that's the way I can put it, being fair. So the either end of it is <laughs> Jesse Smollett was probably guilty, should have definitely had to pay restitution for to the city for all the money and resources it spent and should have definitely gotten some kind of probation. But 150 days in jail, come on, that's a bit much. That's a bit much, especially when we're seeing right in front of our faces on a daily basis, people getting less jail time, less charges, less consequences for way more important, not important, but way more serious, more serious stuff. So that's my take on that. And it just makes me think of everything that's in the media. The second thing is Kanye. Kanye West has been all over the media and everybody I hear talks about him being either a genius or crazy. And once again, I've always said I think there's a fine line between genius and crazy because I think if we all had what it took to be geniuses, you know, there would be more geniuses out there. But there's not because you literally you have to be able to go in your mind what most people don't even understand exist. So I understand that and I respect that. I think Kanye West as an artist is a genius. But I also think that Kanye West has some issues. And although some of them or many of them may be mental, I also think that there's there's a level of uh, of ego 
it's just it's he, he's got a big ego. <laughs> That's, what was the Beyonce song about ego? <laughs> but and that's what it is and i and i think the interesting thing is is we keep excusing kanye when he literally is presenting the hypocritical actions to our faces we're all human we all have many sides we all make mistakes we all have ego issues sometimes so this is not a condemnation of any of those types of things, but at the same time, how many times and how do we find ways to make excuses when somebody's just wrong, they're just wrong. And I think we can admire and love someone and they can still be wrong. As a matter of fact, I think really loving or or caring for a person is also telling them when you think they're wrong. Because if you just got a bunch of yes people around you, they used to say yes men, but you know, yes people around you, then you're never going to really know when you're in a situation or you're headed down a path that you shouldn't be. So this whole thing, this man turned his life over to Jesus. This man is doing Sunday school where he's got this huge choir and every, and he put out a gospel album and it was probably one of the best things you've heard in the gospel world. Like, I mean, all of that stuff. And, 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 and talks about, especially when he ran for president, was out there talking about why he was against certain things and because they were against what God wanted and they were against. And so I'm wondering in those same situations, how is any of the ways he's acting now comparable to what God wants? If you know what God wants, I mean, I'd like to think none of us really know what God wants. But we can assume that God wants us to be a certain way. Or wants us to, I mean, just maybe be respectful of all, be respectful of life, be respectful of trying to do the right thing, even when it's hard to do. So I look at all that and I'm looking at what Kanye's doing and I'm like, I'm like, but he's just wrong in this situation. He literally was online trolling folks. Trevor Noah made made a statement about being a Kanye fan, one, and two, being concerned about him like to me that was that was like from a place of of love not hate and he even made the statement with the I don't care about his politics you know the things I don't agree with I don't have to agree with I'm just worried about him he seems like he's spiraling I don't know if those were his I'm paraphrasing obviously and then Kanye basically (laughs) went off and so it's, it's like everybody even the people who are not coming to him that way he's like attacking and maybe because he feels backed into a corner. I don't know, but people seem to have their ideas and people come up with excuses to explain away his behavior. And a lot of times saying that he's bipolar is one of the ways people explain away his behavior. But I think while that can be an issue that he's dealing with and maybe he's not on the meds and maybe he's not, I'm, I'm not an expert. So I don't, I try not to speak on that. I do know that mental health is frail and 2020 probably gave us all a swift kick in the jaw about how frail mental health can be when we found ourselves in situations that we had never been in our life and didn't know how to deal with it. So you saw a lot of, a lot of, I mean, you know, that that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother conversation about what 2020 taught us, if it taught us anything, 
But I say all that to say, so mental health is already fragile. And I do think a black man in America already has a different level of fragility to his mental health. I think that black people in America always already have a different level of fragility to their mental health because you're always fighting. I think that women in this country have a fragility to their mental health because they're always fighting. So I think when every day you wake up, it's a fight for things that some people don't think twice about. It's going to put you in a different headspace, period. And that's before you bring any professional diagnosis in. Uh, Two of my favorite tap dancers were bipolar or diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Uh, So when I think about like this and how it connects to things that I've grown up knowing. So Chuck Green was a tap dancer. One of the greats, one of the legends was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And if you watch about tap, when he's talking about it, he says the only time he feels whole and control of his mind is when he's on stage. Fast forward some generations later, there was a great young tap dancer coming up out of LA chance Taylor also diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And same thing, when he danced, we couldn't even imagine where some of his rhythms and some of his steps were coming from. But only to listen to him talk about the way he thinks about tap, of rhythms, of steps, the way these things come to him, it's in a different way than most of us are used to having those things come to us. So as an artist, as a tap dancer, I know firsthand how uh, a mental diagnosis can affect someone's creativity. And sometimes I think it pushes the creativity in ways that our minds won't even accept. Um, One of my mentors, Professor Robert L. Reed, his son, uh, Robert Reed III, we used to just call him Lil Rob. He has a stuttering problem. And it's interesting when that young man dances, his feet do things that, me as a tap dancer, I can't quite put my finger on how it happened, how he did it. And so I came to my own conclusion. I even said it to him. I said, man, I think your stuttering issue plays out in your feet and your feet stutter when you tap, which is why you can get rhythms and make them hit in ways that a lot of us can't even imagine. So I say all that to say that I understand how different mental Things, items, aspects, abilities, disability, whatever you want to call them, but how it affects you as a person and you as an artist. So when I think back to Kanye, I'm like, yeah, there has to be a level of crazy there to get the level of genius that Kanye West uh, exhibits as an artist, as a producer, as an entertainer. But I also think that an a-hole can just be an a-hole and that you don't. Uh, attributed to anything else i think that certain things he says and does are just straight out of the a-hole guide and i'm trying to really watch my language on the podcast because they ask is there going to be any explicit content and i always say no (laughs) because i want everybody to have access so yes i said a-hole three times you can mark that down but so i say all that to say it doesn't have to be either or i truly believe kanye west lives in the either and I think he's genius. Um, I think he thinks about things differently. And I think he even sees a big picture 
that some of us don't see. But at the same time, I think he's just flat out wrong about some things. And it's okay to be wrong because you're human. I know people say Jesus, <laughs> but that's just a nickname. So that's why I am about that. Uh, and of course, you can't talk about the whole Kanye thing without mentioning Kim Kardashian. Then there's a statement she made on a on a on a talk with I think it was her and her, all her sisters. I think that was their mom on there too. It was, the, it was the ladies of the Kardashian dynasty, and Kim made a statement about women having to get up off their butts. She didn't say butts, uh, and and work hard. And that's another one of those things. A lot of people immediately got upset, pissed off because they said she didn't come from having to work hard to achieve anything. And then a lot of other people were like, but that's true. Because you got to get work hard in order to make it in this world. And all I can say is, once again, we arrive in the situation of either and because. There's a whole lot of people who work hard. All of us grew up, uh, or a lot of us, I won't say all of us, a lot of us grew up with parents working two and three jobs. Or you know or have heard of people working two and three jobs and they can barely make ends meet. So if hard work simply by itself was the barometer for success, we'd have a lot more success in our community. But I think we all know and can attest, and maybe we have to say it out loud, that hard work is not enough. And it's not the only way. One of my mentors, a gentleman by the name of Al Brown, may he rest in peace. He used to say, work smarter, not harder. As a matter of fact, his motto was, I work harder at working smarter so I don't have to keep working so hard. That was his motto. So that was drilled into me at a young age at really figuring out how to work smarter. Because some people work hard and they work themselves to death with very little to show for it. Now, does that mean they should that, you know, like, how do you look at that? So hard work itself is not the only barometer for success. So I understand why people reacted to that way. Now, add on top of that, Kim Kardashian's success story herself. She came from a family where she would be successful if she never lifted a finger. And I think, you know, everybody is aware of that. Doesn't mean she doesn't work hard, but she definitely didn't have to start from the bottom. And I think that's what a lot of people are responding to. At least I know that's what I started thinking about. Like, clearly the empire that she's amassed has been through a lot of hard work that she's done. I wouldn't, again, you can have the either and and, but I also know she literally didn't have to start from the bottom and, and end up here. She had a family who pretty much had a dynasty and she was able to capitalize off of it and then take it in the direction to do what she's doing now. So I really think we got to start looking at things in a different way. It's not always either or. And I think in the middle lies the solutions that if we keep working towards, we will find our way to those solutions. I don't profess to have all the answers. I don't think I even have some of the answers. But I am quite sure that what I can say for sure is the things that we've been doing so far, especially right now, are not working. This country is more polarized. <laughs> I won't say than it's ever been because, you know, this country literally had a war <laughs> one side against the other. So 
but the polarization right now is at is at a pretty high and intense level. One of the things I say, I just was talking to Mark Yanley, and we were talking about that, and I've said it several times over my lifetime. We used to have a situation where we argued, like somebody presented the facts, and then we argued about application or in opinion on those facts, how they were presented or, or what you do with them or whatever. But now we're in a situation where we're arguing the facts. Somebody says, oh, this happened on this date. And somebody else says, I don't believe it happened. <laughs> You're like, wait, this has nothing to do with your belief. This is a fact. Why are we in a situation now where we argue facts? And I think that has the either or of that has contributed to why we're in the situation we're in in this country. Either and I say it, I believe in it. I want to keep pushing it as much as I can. As I roll through this episode of the podcast, uh, talking about Kanye West, talking about Jesse Smollett. And I know I've pronounced his name differently every time I've said it. And I'm just trying not to say juicy. That's all. Um, <laughs> and then we talked about Kim Kardashian and then you could bring in even Pete Davidson because Kanye made jokes about his mental health which I thought was really strange and an, a good example of projection you know this man has mental health issues and at one time in this country having mental health issues was looked at as you were weak so a lot of people kept it a secret especially in black communities my grandmother, you know, used to always say, you got to pray, pray to God to make it right. So I'm sure a lot of us grew up with that kind of a, uh, an idea about how we attack mental health. So just recently, have people started talking about going to therapy and getting professional help and reset in life. Like I think 2020 was a reset for a lot of people. You had to look at your life up to that moment what you had accomplished, what you had not accomplished, and what that meant to you. And what some people, I think, went into the pandemic and their whole goal was to come out and pick up where they left off. And I, after I dealt with the depression for a short period of time that came with not being able to dance, not being able to do what I love, I know. I used to make one trip a week in the early days of the pandemic. I say it like it was a super long time ago in the early days of the pandemic. And it was to get groceries for my mom and check on the studio. And in that time, the idea for this podcast was actually starting to be born because I started doing uh, uh, thoughts from uh, what was I calling it? Quarantine car stories. And I would just get in the car and on my drive, I would talk about things everything from voting, everything from the, the fights we were having in the tap dance world about giving credit where credit was due uh, to black people for being the inventors and the creators and founders of tap. Like I was, and I was venting in the car. And, and, and so a lot of people start listening. And even recently someone told me, I miss those. I miss those. And so my goal during the pandemic was to come out and be in a totally different situation than I was going in. One, never again will something happen where the world stops and I am without an income. I am without a way to make money. That was a, a promise I made to myself. 
because that was the scariest thing that has ever happened in my life. Everything I had, teaching, uh, bookings, you name it, everything that I had to close the school. I didn't teach. I didn't travel. I didn't perform. All the things that I did to make a living as a tap dancer were cut out immediately at the same time. And much less when they started talking about the exceptions that they would make for essential workers, tap dancers or dancers or artists weren't even included in that definition. So here I am all of a sudden with no means of income. And then I'm being told by society, I'm not essential. The things that I do are not important enough to warrant funding or emergency funding or emergency this or that. Now, eventually they came around and and, and they, what was the EIDL and all kind of PPP and all of this stuff. And they added gig workers to the unemployment thing. And so a lot of things started to change. But when it first happened, it was scary. And I don't know that I've talked a lot about it here and there. I mentioned it, but yeah, it was a literally a mental like reshaping. I freaked out. I was in the house. I remember the first couple of days of the pandemic. One day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'll just make me some breakfast. I don't do that often. I haven't done that in years. I'll make me some breakfast on a weekday. And then I was like, I'll watch a movie. And I watched a movie and fell asleep. And I was like, woke up. I'm hungry again. Let me make some lunch. Made some lunch. <laughs> watched another movie. Fell asleep. Woke up again. Make some dinner or a snack or something, made something else. Watched another movie, fell asleep, woke up. It was just 12 noon (laughs) and this was on the first day. So I was like, I had no, like, I didn't know what to do with myself. I had no idea what was going to happen without being able to have tap dance in my life or any of the business ventures that were connected to like, again, running the studio, you know, doing any of those things. And so immediately I went into survival mode. And I would sit at my computer, which was outdated. And I know this because I literally burned it out during the first six months of the pandemic because I was on the computer all day, every day, trying to find grants, trying to find emergency help, trying to find like, you know, and these are the things a lot of people don't talk about. So I want to be straight up and honest with you and say that I was freaked out. My mental health was in shambles and I'm trying to deal with that, trying to deal with figuring out. And then I have a company. And I was trying to figure out how to get my, keep my company paid, how to do all of these things. And then George Floyd got killed on National Tap Day, to be exact. And I lost it. I was in the house crying like a baby. My emotions were already on 10 because of the stuff that was happening in the world. Then all of a sudden, I used to say growing up, I'm born and raised on the west side of Chicago. You know, seeing people get shot, all of these things. It wasn't like crazy to me it was part of growing up in the neighborhood i grew up in but i will tell you i have never saw or seen a man have the life basically choked out of him while the man who's doing it looks dead at you like it was the scariest most horrific thing i've ever seen and that and that includes movies where there's mass casualties and you hear about mass shootings on tv and i know people have gotten shot But to see that life taken in front, like that changed my whole world. And so that was the first half of 2020. So the second half of 2020, 
oh, I was on such a mission. I was like, I'm going to clean up my credit. Like all the things I wasn't paying attention to, I started paying attention to. I was like, I got to get my credit together. I got, I got to, you know, I started thinking about mad rhythms and certain things we were successful at and certain things we weren't. So this was time to take an honest look. And one of those things was we don't get much press at all. And we've been out here almost 20 years existing in the community for the community and I used to know people in media and people that, you know, work, wrote for newspapers and that stuff, but we were getting no press hits. And I, and I thought that was crazy. And so I was like, well, it's time to hire an expert <laughs> to come in and help do this aspect of the business. And that's where Vanessa Abram came in from agency Abram, uh, James Giuliano at Shout Marketing, and the two of them literally helped the world see mad rhythms. So when people, and, and this is just the honest, people remark on the way mad rhythms came into 2021 shining. Like after what 2020 was in terms of the darkness and, and the, and the going inside yourself that people had to do. Well, part of that was also planning. And so 2021, we came out, it was our 20th anniversary we came out hidden hard. You saw us on TV. You saw write-ups in magazines, mentions in newspapers. You you saw me and heard me on different people's podcasts. That wasn't me. That wasn't based on what I did. That was because I identified a weakness and hired experts who it was their strength. So I connected with people who were just as knowledgeable, just as passionate about the PR and advertising world as I am about tap. And I would recommend to everybody, that's what you got to learn how to do. Be honest about what your strengths are and be honest about what your weaknesses are and then take the steps to figure out how to make turn those weaknesses into strengths. And some of that can mean relying on other people. I used to think I could do this all by myself. 2020 quickly showed me that I could not. And if I kept doing it, I was going to end up in somebody's mental institution or better yet, passed out somewhere. So I learned also when it's time to take a break, I take a break now. If my body says you need to sleep another hour or two because I'm usually up at nights working, I take those hours as much as I can. Obviously, there's times when you got to be at something, an appointment or other. But I think this is a real strong case for self-care. And I know those terms got thrown around a lot during 2020, 2021. A little bit now during 2022. But I think as the world starts to get back to what it was, people are falling into those same habits. And I know this because I catch myself falling into the same habits that I worked so hard to do something about during 2020 and 2021. So when we talk about all of these people and all of their mental health, just be honest about your mental health and think about what you might be going through or have gone through. And, and thank God, this me alive. You come out on the other side of any of that in a positive way. Cause some people, some people lost their businesses in 2020 and 2021 and they didn't recover. They closed them and never opened back up. 
there was businesses I used to frequent and people I knew that owned businesses that never recovered. Some people adapted and turned their businesses into something else. Some people started new businesses and found new loves and new passions. And now they're doing well. But some people, it didn't happen. Not because they didn't work hard. And that's, that's back to that work hard thing. Not because they didn't work hard, but maybe because, I don't know, you can, you can, you can throw all kinds of reasons there. But I think the one thing about being a tap dancer is, for me, the true essence of tap lies in improvisation. And I'm just thankful that I have been exercising improvisation or adaptability as my profession my whole life. I wasn't the quickest one to jump on the Zoom thing and put the classes online. I fought it. I'm telling you no lie. It was technology. I wasn't ready to have to master. I remember the first couple of classes, whenever the kids would tap, you couldn't hear it. And then we had to learn about the Zoom controls. I went through all of that. But then I was like, well, but it's a necessity. So either be bad at it until nobody wants to take your class because it's not a good class or get better at it until there's another option to have the opportunity to be in the room exchanging energy with people on the wood in real life. And so that's how I would encourage you all to approach all those situations. It's either and, but I really think you got to look inside yourself and then figure out how to change your surroundings. I started investing in 2020. I won't even... I won't even tell y'all about the whole, that whole thing, the stock market. I had been talking about it for years, but never really found the time to do it. Well, <laughs> in 2020, I think the creator, the universe, however you want to refer, said, you're going to have time today. And so, and out of that whole experience came one, this podcast, because I would come to the studio and I would come into my office, which normally was just a regular desk with lots of papers on it. And I started thinking, even this has to be more, something else. And so piece by piece of equipment, by piece of equipment, by mic, by mixer, by this, by that, that I build this podcast studio because I wanted to make sure that there was a way to continue to put my voice out, to allow Mad Rhythms to be heard to have their voices if they want. And even like the next goal is to train young people to be engineers, to either work the boards while other people do podcasts or do their own podcasts. But this is how you take something that was a negative, and you turn it into a positive and not only for yourself, but for your community. And I think that's what, that's what tap has taught me. That's what being in this world has taught me. <laughs> That's what this pandemic is, continues to teach me. Because I'm going to try to stop speaking about the pandemic in the past tense because it's not over. We're just doing better. But remember, we did better last year for about a week or two. We were all outside with no mask on, like brand new babies exploring the world for the first time. And then it came back harder and slapped us all in the face. They go back in the house, figure this out. So I think the adaptability, or as we tap dancers like to call it, the improvisation of it all is what is helping me, or has helped 
me to navigate life. And a big part of that is changing my mindset. And that's the adaptability of the mind. That's taking stock in yourself. That's self-care. That's being honest about who you are, what you are, how you carry yourself, why you do the things you do. Because if you're honest about them, then you'll realize some things you need to change. And I think this world becomes a better place when we look at the things that we need to change about ourselves first so that we then can go out and be that change. I know it's cliche, but be the change you want to see. You know, I know it's cliche, but usually old sayings or sayings that have become really popular are that way for a reason. So my grandmother used to always say God helps those who help themselves. So I'm a firm believer that if you want to see that change, you got to be that change. And then you will be one in tune with the universe, with the God body, with God, with Yahweh, with Jehovah, with Jesus. Any way you want to say it with Buddha, however you want to put it, you'll be one in the terms of being righteous. And I think that's all that every religion really boils down to is being a righteous person, not being perfect. But being righteous, meaning when you make mistakes, you try to correct those mistakes. You're honest about who you are, what you are, how you operate. And then you try to operate more and more and more on that wavelength, on that plane, in that frequency, if you will. So I hope y'all had a good time listening. I know I got kind of deep into some things, but that's what this space is about, is being able to share and I can tell you about all the lovely things. But I think as, as human beings, we have to be willing to be vulnerable and share with each other so you can know that, one, you're not the only one going through these things. And two, there may be different ways to handle it that you didn't think about until maybe you heard this. Take the time to get you together, especially if you live a life of service. How can you be of service to others if you haven't taken the time to get yourself together? So uh, in the words of Charlemagne to God, I wish healing energy on Brother Count Ye West, on Jesse Smollett, on Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson, all of them. I wish healing energy on everybody as we try to navigate and make this world a better place and find the either end of it all to solve and come to our solutions. And that's how I look at Look at it. That's how I see it. That's how it applies to me. It applies to tap dance. And that's what we're that's what I'm hoping you got from this. Yeah. So I've had a good time. Uh, I enjoy this. I hope you're learning to enjoy this as well. <laughs> and I'll be back with more and more episodes, especially if you all tell me you want episodes. And maybe in the suggestion box, you can even uh, tell me what you might be interested in hearing me talk about. Or knowing my take on things. Because I don't think it's just that you all want to hear me talk. I love to believe that. But the honesty is. I'd like to think that my experiences. Have taught me a few things. And the more I experience. The more things that I learn. The more things that I can share. If you are 40. You should not still be doing the things. You were doing in your 20s. That's, that's what I believe. Because you're supposed to grow wiser. As you grow older. Now, yes, there are some old fools out here and we, and we won't get into that. 
Maybe we will. Maybe that'll be the next episode. <laughs> Old fools and the things they say. But I respect my elders, so I'm always listening to people that were here before me and trying to learn from not only their success stories, but also their mistakes. That's the either end of learning from those that came before you. But we stand on the shoulders of the ancestors. And so with that being said, I'm going to wrap this up, bring it to a close. I hope you all enjoy everything. And, you know, that's how I end every podcast, the same way we do it in the tap circle. On the count of three, we're going to say respect the dance. You got to yell it out loud and proud. I don't care if you at home by yourself. Yell it out. Make somebody go, is everything okay? All right, y'all. With much respect, on the count of three, respect the dance. One, two, three. Respect the dance. Peace.